0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and some other things, etc. I am Alex Croson. I'm just one of the hosts of this show, alongside...
1: Another host by the name of Casey Clap.
0: Yes, yes. Hello, Casey. That's
1: with two peas, Alex.
0: Ah, two peas, Like, uh... Like, <sighs> the,
1: uh, uh, two, two plants next to each other that produce legumes
0: yes thank you casey you're welcome sometimes i i take it to the end of the prologue and casey writes chapter one
1: <laughs> yes that's exactly right how you doing oh just spectacular splendid great it's a little rainy right now outside, but like a spring rain where it's just kind of like fuh, 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 fuh.
0: This is a dry rain as we've yes. talked about oh before. Oh
1: God, that's exactly what it is. It's the driest of rains. I've never seen a drier rain in my life.
0: Can I tell you something? You may. Today's weather is my favorite type of weather. You're serious. Is your microphone okay over there?
1: Yeah, it's just slowly bending down. I see that. So I have to like keep uh, bending my 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 head.
0: Why don't you fix your stand there? I'm going to do my best. Check okay. it out. Okay. This will be noisy.
1: Talk amongst yourselves. All right. I'll give you a subject. Rain that's neither rain nor wet.
0: Rain that's neither rain nor wet. To me, that sounds like sunshine.
1: That is right. All right, now that we're back. Well. Did did you get that reference? No. Oh, my gosh. It's from SNL. Uh, I can't remember even the thing. It was um, Mike Myers and oh something else they were like, oh their characters were like these two Jewish women on a talk show. Is that the uh, oh
0: yes yeah and okay. they would always
1: get for schnicket and when they got for schnicket they would always say talk amongst
0: yourselves and give you a topic I remember that It was so good Mike Myers non-combustible engines that are neither combustible nor engines have have you um have you watched Austin Powers recently?
1: You know I actually. I don't think so, but I, I feel like I did very, like I watched one of those kinds of old movies last year or something.
0: Can I just say the Austin Powers movies have not aged well?
1: Oh no, they sure haven't. That's,
0: they are just from today through, through, through a, through a, uh, modern lens, they are just horrendous.
1: Yeah, you know, um, who was it? Mel Brooks talked about comedy? Oh yeah. um, one time, like very recently, and he's obviously one of the most famous like comedians of all time. Love Mel Brooks. Well, so he was talking about like Blazing Saddles, and he was like, "No, there's no way you can make Blazing Saddles again today. No, like of comedy not. is like of the time and reflects the culture like at, at that moment." Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't think I'm even near qualified to t- discuss that kind of thing, but. He he was just like yeah. At the time, it was it, you know that was the culture and that was the things that were funny.
0: Yeah, I know, that's that's such a tricky, big, huge concept or a uh, topic. It totally is. Yeah, um, but I will say I just watched a YouTube video by the incredible video essayist Lindsay Ellis on this topic. I don't think I know this Lindsay Ellis. She's fantastic. Uh, so if you like if you like video essays on film and film critique and media in general, check out Lindsay Ellis's. I think it's called. Uh satire or how to satire the Nazis or something. I think ah. it's specifically about the producers. Man, was,
1: okay, yeah. Yeah. Man, that's so hard to do. That's just amazing.
0: Yeah, it's a great it's a great, great video. I I recommend it to anybody who's interested in uh, comedy or uh, media in what, general.
1: What was it again?
0: Uh it's like it's a Lindsay Ellis. Mm. Uh satire something something not look up satire nazis
1: yeah okay perfect yeah there you go yeah Then make a funny satire about nazis
0: yeah it's hard to do
1: it's very hard but when it's right no i don't know (laughs) i'm not gonna try i'm gonna uh, leave it at that
0: we just we just got so squeamish (laughs) we totally did as we should Uh, i i hope that our show ages well I do too, Casey. Like a, like a bristlecone pine. Wow. Hey, speaking of trees, oh, we're here to talk about a tree. That seems out of character. In fact, we're here to talk about a pretty special tree, I think.
1: Mm, a quite pretty, pretty tree.
0: It's a gorgeous tree. Oh, honey. And it's called... The Japanese cherry, cherry blossom. Nice. Yes. So why do you keep adding Blossom onto that? I don't know. Maybe it's my affinity for the TV show Blossom. I I don't even know what that show is. Casey, watch TV for once in your life.
1: I refuse. You can't force me. You
0: know how you're always trying to get me outside? Yeah. I'm trying to get you inside. Watch some fucking TV. (laughs) Educate yourself on sitcoms. (laughs) I'm going to try my best. It's important to me.
1: I understand. I want to reach out into your realm so that we can talk about it.
0: We we you and I had a night a very lovely evening one time where you came over. I think we went and saw some live music. Uh-huh. This was pre-pandemic of course. Oh yeah. And we came back to my apartment and we watched Community.
1: Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was like, great. F-
0: and I just it was like one of my favorite nights ever showing somebody Community who has never seen it. My fa- probably my favorite sitcom. Uh, I love S- sitcoms. S- I S- want to write really one good. someday. You should write one. I'm working on a couple pilots. What's
1: uh? Give me, give me, give me the elevator sp- pitch uh
0: of one of my pilots. Yeah. Um. No. Oh. Today we're talking about the <laughs> Japanese cherry. We are taking a uh a well fueled plane all the way from Chile to Japan. Mm-hmm. Just cross the uh, the old Pacific. That's right, uh, Casey. As we do every episode. mm Hmm. Let's imagine that you and I are walking through a Japanese forest. Oh. We brought a picnic.
1: Oh. Oh. Can it have. Uh, I want sushi. Okay. I had it there in Japan one time. It's uh-huh. so good.
0: <laughs> I would I would think so.
1: Yeah. Even like the
0: fast food sushi, it's still great. <laughs> even like Walgreens sushi <laughs> in Japan is pretty yeah, good. At
1: least I didn't get it that I don't think I went into a Walgreens and got sushi. Yeah. But I think I went into like a chain sushi restaurant and I was like, this is so good.
0: Wow. Yeah. I know 7-Elevens are incredibly popular in Japan.
1: Oh, I don't think I went there either.
0: I wonder if they serve sushi. Mm, probably. Hmm. Anyway. Well, let's imagine that we're walking through a Japanese forest. We brought a sushi lunch, and we are going to sit and nosh, and I look up and I say, Whoa, there's a Japanese cherry blossom. (laughs) Casey, what are we looking at? What does it smell like? I want to go over that, too. Oh, that's such a good thing to bring up. But let's start with the basics here. Visually, what do we see?
1: So, the first thing that you're going to see is a broadleafed tree. We have moved now from our classic, uh, Casey always does. I guess not really. I imagined that we would always do, like, we'd start out with um, evergreen trees. Okay. And we didn't. We like we did a whole smattering of non of like deciduous broadleaf trees.
0: Oh yeah. Very out of character. Well, yeah, we kind of we kind of we Jackson Pollocked it a bit.
1: Yeah, we really did. Yeah. And I think it looked great speaking of I saw someone on the side of the road on on when during I was during work uh-huh. doing like Jackson Pollock style paintings on like doors and things today
0: oh just out of the garage on the on the side of the street was it vandalism or was this like this somebody was somebody was like painting their own door
1: yes it was it was art they had doors okay. and things out in their garage and they were painting them and I, was, I, see. I literally drove by and I was like Jackson Pollock all right interesting anyway so you're walking through a forest we're at this picnic we set it down you look up and you see this gorgeous flower block blossom above you and you're like, Mm -hmm. what is that? It will probably, at least in this case, surely be a Japanese cherry tree. Okay. So the first thing that you'll start to see is there's going to be only flowers, no leaves. That is how they start. The flowers always pop off first. At least in most cherries, at least the Japanese cherry for sure.
0: Is that unique among cherries? Oh, I don't think so. Or among Amongst trees, them. rather?
1: Not necessarily. No, a lot of times they would do that first, and that is because all the energy is stored up, and they don't want anything to get in the way. They don't. Either uh-huh. it's wind, they don't want the leaves to get in the way. They don't want pollen, and they don't want the pollen and things to land on the leaves. Okay. And with animals, uh, animal pollinators like bees and flies and things like that they will prefer that there's nothing inhibiting their access to
0: the goods. I see. So they're just putting the flower out center stage. Here it is. There's no coral background.
1: Exactly. They are the coral. The whole thing is the chorus. But I, I would wow. imagine, though, they're all like, you know, they just like do everything on the high end where it's not like you have a full range of octaves. Okay. It's just like, oh.
0: They're I'm all like, like yeah. sopranos and altos. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's gorgeous. Sopranos. I don't know. You're the music person, not me. No, I was thinking of uh, more TV. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I should have known. I was thinking, just like pressing the high keys on a piano or a keyboard, we're just like me.
0: Well, many words have many meanings, Casey.
1: Hey, that's right. We're going to get some meanings here today too. Yes. Okay. So, as you look at it, let's say that you see first these blossoms, and you're going to see blossoms at least on this one. That's a, the forest grown. Let's just say it's a natural, you know, naturally occurring tree, right? Okay. It will have leaves, uh, not leaves. I'm sorry, petals and sepals and flower parts all in multiples of five or
0: only five five like flowers together no no no
1: five petals five sepals five stamen five pistols wow yeah that is a um a classic thing for the uh any plants that are in
0: the rose family casey i'm looking at a photo and i'm counting and you're correct
1: yes yes that is a classic rose family thing. So um, most roses, and we're going to touch on this subject in a second, um, that you see nowadays are what we ha- what we call double flowered. And that means that, uh, well, I'll explain what it means, but you don't see things. You see a lot more than just five. Okay. But if you go find like a native uh, rose out on the coast or something, it will have five petals and then it'll have maybe five or 10 um, individual parts in between it, like pistols, pistols and stamens and things like that.
0: Okay. So the the... This is uh, what is the rose, rosaceae? That's
1: it. Nice. Well done. Thank you. Rosaceae. So pears, apricots, almonds, and uh, English laurel, cotoneaster. These are all in the same family.
0: I don't want to give anything away, but this is a little spoiler. Next week, we're also talking about a a tree in the rosaceae family.
1: Yes, we are. Well done. Thanks.
0: I'm I did not going to give did, it away, What it is. I did my homework this week. <laughs> <laughs> nice job. I'm just beaming with pride.
1: You are. Are you glowing right now?
0: I am. Mm. Whoa. Should I, Should we go to the hospital?
1: No, I think it's a glow that's okay. It's, it's a good glow. <laughs> okay. So other things that you're going to notice. Let's say now, fast forward two weeks, the leaves have popped out. Okay. Everyone usually is familiar with two things from a cherry, the flowers and the bark. But unbeknownst to them, I think everyone is really familiar with the leaves of a cherry tree. Really? This is only my intuition because no one like would immediately say, oh yeah, the leaves of a cherry tree, but they are so common that I think that most of the time if people see a leaf, not most of the time, extremely commonly, if you see a leaf on the ground, it's likely to be a cherry only because they're planted all over the place. Like you look around right now and they're just like blowing
0: up everywhere. They're kind of a classic looking uh leaf.
1: Yeah, very classic. They have a doubly serrated margin. Damn it, I was going to say that, oh, Casey. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's one of my favorite like little facts about it.
0: Thought to blow your mind that yeah. I remember things you say. Oh
1: gosh, I like it every time. I will You're say a good it, active listener.
0: Thanks. I'm working on it. I will say it is a uh it is uh the veins uh well, crap! I, I I used up all of my terminology,
1: <laughs> and now you're out of
0: gas. It's uh, it's what's it called? It's um, uh, pinnately. pinnately compound? Not? No, it's not compound. Just veined. It's veined. Completely yes. veined.
1: That is exactly right.
0: With us. Uh, double serrated margin.
1: Uh-huh. So for those of you who aren't looking at photos, the double serrations are basically big serrations with little serrations on each one of those serrations. Yeah. So it's like a, exactly the same as a like a, a steak knife or something like that mm-hmm. where it's a serrated edge. It's
0: like shark teeth.
1: Yeah, exactly. Precisely. Mm-hmm. So the other thing with the leaves, if you look closely, and this is a thing that all cherries will have, and I say all cherries and I mean most cherries because like we always have have to say there's a ex- un- exception to everything okay they have these little things called nectar glands or nectararies on the edge of their petiole which is the um the little stem that <gasps> connects the leaf to the actual true stem of the plant i see them yeah so if you're ever like is this a cherry tree and you're like well it has the doubly serrated margins uh-huh. it's a non uh it's a simple leaf Well, how do we tell if this is a cherry? You look for those little glands on the petiole right at the base of the leaf blade.
0: They're... I don't know how else to say this. They're little little testes. They
1: do. They're like little pimples right there. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes there's two, three, four. It kind of depends on the species or what's going on with the plant. Sometimes there's only one. Sometimes they're really hard to see. Okay. But they are usually always there, especially on a cherry. They won't be on plums. They won't be on um, apples or pears or anything like that. They're barely on um, things that are still technically cherries, like in the genus prunus, like plums and uh, apricots and
0: almonds. What do the glands do?
1: I believe they basically, uh, I'm, I, you know, I've heard several different things. Okay. My understanding, I've always heard them as nectararies, where they just kind of put out a little teeny tiny bit of nectar. I don't know why
0: to sweeten the deal for I, an insect. Or... I guess so,
1: but the flowers have already come and gone. That's a good point. So why are they doing that? Interesting. So that'll maybe something that I'll look more more further into. Then the next time we do a cherry, I will elucidate everyone. Cool. Or at least say again, I still don't know.
0: <laughs> you know who I bet knows? Sibley uh at black forager on instagram oh yeah have you seen her videos i have she's hilarious she's the coolest yeah i bet I... she i bet she knows what those glands are all about hey
1: shout out if you do let us know please
0: i bet she he probably makes a tea with those with those flowers or oh, something oh
1: yeah i've only seen a couple of her things but she she makes teas and things yeah
0: she makes teas she just made it uh she just made magnolia bud cookies what apparently magnolias taste like uh ginger oh my god so she made like magnolia snaps like,
1: man i'm so with people and like just their ability to i don't know forage things like that and make sweet delicious things from it
0: i know it's incredible we should try to get her on the on a patreon episode sounds great let's do it uh if anybody has any contacts uh yeah
1: send us a dm
0: is that what they're saying (laughs) yeah you could say i would say maybe slide into our dms oh
1: okay i don't know the difference like yeah. Fonzie would. Oh, damn, yeah, Fonzie. Can you
0: imagine Fonzie? Do you know who Fonzie is? Yeah, Casey? oh, yeah. I,
1: yeah. Thank you, Alex. I <clears> know <throat> who Fonzie he's is. He's a television
0: character. Henry Winkler. See this big black box behind me? It's called the TV. What? <laughs>
1: I thought that was a mirror, a it's, very bad mirror.
0: It's basically a streaming service box. <laughs> oh, I've never heard of that. Not much actual television being watched on this thing, <laughs> Casey. The, oh, go ahead. What?
1: No, no, I was going to make a joke. I'm, I'm, I take it back.
0: Please, please tell your joke. Oh, I was going to ask
1: if those are the things that I see moving pictures on at the bar. <laughs> yes. Cool.
0: That's what. <laughs> those are the motion pictures you see.
1: <laughs> they call them talkies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Love me a talkie. I'm never going back to, to, to silent film.
1: <laughs> what? Oh, it's the golden age. <laughs> well, okay. So the last thing that you should notice and know about cherries. Okay. Um, there's a lot of different kinds, like a lot of different kinds of cherry trees. Um, And one other thing that really pulls them all together, that if you're like, oh, is this a cherry? Is this not a cherry? Whether or not you're going to get the species down, you can usually tell if it's a uh, a cherry tree of some sort. If you look at the stem, they have these horizontal lenticels, or what they're called. Yeah, a couple of fancy terms, but if you look up cherry bark, and this is a, a famous thing that everyone's very familiar with, they just may not know that that's only on cherries. Sometimes birches. But they look different on birch trees.
0: I see them. They look like stretch marks.
1: Exactly. And they they kind of are, but not quite. It's actually, um, those are glands, and I can tell you what they are. They're basically gas exchange um, holes called lenticels in the bark so that as the bark does different things, gas passes in and out of the
0: bark. I hear that. Yeah, right? Let me tell you. Gas passes in and out of the bark. Every now and then through those little things called lenticels. These trees are passing gas? Oh yeah, they're all,
1: all these trees are passing gas, trust <laughs> me. It's a it's a it's a regular it's a regular shit show out there.
0: <laughs> well speaking of passing gas, Casey. Um, I don't want
1: to know what you're gonna say next. I think
0: you do. It's maybe uh... my favorite my favorite transition I've ever come up with. <laughs> Let's talk, can we talk about the fruit of these trees? Oh, we can. Wait, do these trees grow cherries? Yes. Okay, thank God.
1: Yes, they do, but there's a little bit of a caveat here. Cherry trees are, the fruit of a cherry is called a droop, and the droop is basically you have a seed inside a really hard thing, we call it a pit, and then a fleshy outer coating. Okay that's a droop all cherries are droops so is a an apricot and uh, all
0: stone fruit
1: uh most the time exactly yeah that's another another rose family thing yeah in fact i think peaches are i think they're still in prunus
0: yeah there you go. Yeah,
1: there you are. So, Prunus... Oh, we never even said the scientific name. Prunus serulata is the tree we're talking about. Oh, my goodness.
0: Wow. I'm ashamed. Well, we've only done 14 of, the, 14 of these episodes. That's it. Ugh. At 100, we'll we we'll have this down. I'm gonna...
1: We'll, we'll, we'll know what we're doing.
0: People are so nice to be patient with us as Thank we <laughs> stumble our way through making a podcast.
1: <laughs> well, Prunus seriulata is what we're talking about here. But there are also a bunch of other different kinds of che- Japanese cherries, which would basically just be... Um, Because it's been bred so long, again, it's going to be a story we're going to tell in just a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, The genealogy is really complex because they've been interbred, and there's some species that are endemic to Japan. There's some that have been mixed and moved around, and some people said, oh, this is a species. And they said, well, it's not a species, and there's this big genetic study that they did, and they split everything back up again, so... It's
0: complicated. Okay, though, but the the fruit, the droop... Yes. Am, am I imagining it correctly that you can go up to one of these things, pick a cherry and eat it and spit out the seed? You
1: are and you are not. A Japanese cherry, Prunicerulata, the big ones that you see
0: planted all over
1: the place as uh-huh. those big flowering trees that yeah. are there for the flowers, either they do not produce a fruit because they're sterile, or... They do produce a fruit and it's this little teeny tiny thing that looks like a, a, a super tiny, very not good looking cherry. Oh, and you man. put it in your mouth and it's just this super sour, bitter, astringent kind of thing.
0: Uh, that sucks.
1: Yeah. But sweet cherries, and there's lots of different kinds of sweet cherries, like the ones that we grow that are from a completely different species. Okay. Many different species, actually.
0: Well, this is a southern accent situation because I came yeah. into this thing thinking that we were going to talk about delicious cherries.
1: Oh, I'm so
0: sorry. And here we are with a cherryless cherry a tree. A cherryless cherry tree. How. Shame on you, cherry tree.
1: Shame on, don't blame the cherry. It's a victim as much as you are.
0: All right. Sorry I lashed out.
1: It's okay. It's you, you can, uh, the podcast regrets the error, not regrets the error, regrets the outburst.
0: Yeah. I'm sorry, everybody. Say it to the cherry tree. I'm sorry, cherry tree. All right.
1: (laughs) It forgives you, I bet. All right. Wow. So, okay. The Japanese cherry tree. Mm-hmm. has these horizontal lenticels, very cherry-like, has these beautiful blossoms. They're gorgeous, understory kind of trees. They grow on the edge of things. You're never going to find, unless, well, not a Japanese cherry, you're not going to find them as like the big dominant trees in a forest. They're always kind of like a side
0: component
1: of it, you know? Ooh,
0: like on the edge of the forest?
1: Yeah, exactly, where there's lots of light. And only on the edges or in these little pockets so that they can just pop their little flowers out there and then get their, uh, get pollinated and then little birds will come and eat all their seeds, all
0: those droops, and then they'll bloop, 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 drop them off all over the place and now you have more cherries. Quick side question. Yeah. Can you please define understory?
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. So an, if you can think of the overstory or the, the canopy of a forest, right?
0: Oh, that's called the overstory?
1: Yes. Or it would be if there's more than one. If there's just one story, it would just be the canopy, which is just... All the bushes oh. and all the tall, big trees at the top, the high, the highest echelon.
0: Story as in stories in a building. Uh,
1: yes, exactly. That's yeah.
0: kind of the, the etymology.
1: That, that is exactly right. Versus the uh, understory would be that kind of secondary level plant that's growing, that's big enough to be a tree, but it's not the dominant thing way up in the sky. It's okay. It's underneath all those trees.
0: Okay. So So, what about like, uh, what about like bushes and things? That's understory? Yeah,
1: I would probably call that the shrub layer because oh, they're wow. not quite at the level of a tree. They don't really take up a lot of space. They're just kind of like, you know, the bottom, maybe eight feet of the forest. Okay. Maybe 10 feet. Then you have the understory trees that are um, shade tolerant trees. And they're also trees that would be kind of like snaky kind of trees that can just kind of grow and find every little beam of light that's coming through the forest and take advantage of it.
0: Would like a magnolia be an understory tree?
1: It would be even, the problem is though magnolias um, magnolias and the Japanese cherry, they're not shade tolerant. So they have to grow kind of on the edges or in clearings or like little spots. I see. Yeah. So they're understory in that they don't grow high up, but they're only on the edge where they can get lots of light.
0: Okay. Now what's undergrowth?
1: Ooh, the undergrowth. I mean, according to David Attenborough, that would be like the duff layer on the very bottom okay. ground where you have like, you know, things are decaying. Yes. There's like moss. not over a foot tall.
0: Got it. Yeah. That's what I thought. The, but the, it, it, the moss and ferns and and uh, mushrooms and stuff? Yeah,
1: exactly. It's but that could that could very easily be anyone can say, "Oh, there's a lot of undergrowth over there," and they could just be referring to, you know, brambles or whatever. Okay. So, it's a fluid kind of
0: kind of term. Okay. Great. Thanks for clearing that up.
1: Well, any time. So otherwise, um, the big thing that you're gonna see is these beautiful flowers obviously that's the thing that's what we're here for. That's what everyone knows and that's why this tree is famous as it is now yes and the flowers of it are again in little uh, everything's in fives or they're double flowered. I'll tell you that in a second Ooh. and they are generally like pink or white or some gradient between the two okay? And that's about it. That's what you're gonna see. Sometimes they're gonna hang down in like big groups where it's kind of like this. Um, they called it an, an umble and they just hang down, and it's just this big like globose ball of individual flowers.
0: When I when I googled uh, droop, yeah, ch- uh, Japanese cherry droop, because uh-huh. I was looking for the a picture of the of the actual cherries. I got a photo of that of oh. like a big ball of of leaves and flowers just kind of hanging there. That's
1: totally it. Yeah, yeah. And that's what they do. And that's why they're so pretty. Everyone loves them.
0: They're very pretty. Wow. Was that a disgusted? It was. Oh, boy. Is this another?
1: We'll talk about it later, Alex.
0: Oh, man.
1: Well, anywho, the flowers are, again, why we're here. This is why they're like such incredible trees and why they're planted everywhere. Yeah. And the their relationship with the Japanese people and the culture Mm -hmm. go back so long. It's so fascinating.
0: I'm very excited to get into this. All
1: right. Well, before we do, we should take just a five minute break. I would love that. Wait, not five minutes. That's way too long.
0: Uh, well our ad is about thirty seconds. Shh. Perfect. (laughs) We'll be right back with more completely arbitrary.
1: Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.
0: Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. Today we're talking the Japanese cherry, Sands Blossom.
1: You can keep blossom on there. No. It's kind of like saying dodo bird, or like, you know, it's like the dodo, oh. it's already a bird. The cherry is already a tree that blossoms. Okay. And I feel like it's too specific. We're not talking about the flower specifically, we're talking about the whole tree.
0: The blossom know? is just the flower. Yes. Well, at some point in my childhood, I heard cherry blossom
1: tree. Oh, yeah, and it just sticks with you.
0: And it just kind of lodged its way into my crinkly old brain.
1: Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I still call it a dodo bird, even though I don't like it, and I have it tattooed on me, and I just never think about it.
0: It's like a, it's like calling it a hamburger. I would really want to get a hamburger tonight instead really? of just a burger.
1: Huh. I Now I'm really wondering. I'm questioning every definition I've ever had of anything.
0: Now I want a hamburger. Oh, me too. But we're not here to talk about hamburgers. We're here no, to talk no, no. about cherries. No, no, no.
1: All right. So, cherry, 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 cherry. So, I I like this. And I think half the reason I like it is because I really like cultures. I like cultures that have a lot of history and that are storied, I think is the best way for me to put it.
0: Are you like me in that you love other cultures because we are both... Uh, uh, white, and we have none.
1: <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe it's not that we don't have none. I just don't like it as much as I would like to.
0: I mean, what do we have except?
1: Yeah, well, grass is always greener. There's probably a bunch of people like, man, I wish I was, you know, over from Portland, Oregon, which I love. I, I mean, I do like
0: my culture. The Portland culture. Yeah, I really? think
1: it's nice. Yeah, it there, there's you know, it's not perfect. I will be the first to admit it. But it's, I don't know, it's better than a lot of other cultures. At I least should... people ride bikes around here. Whoa,
0: I shouldn't have brought it up. Let's yeah. move on.
1: Anyway. <laughs> All right, we're talking about the Japanese culture and its intense and very interconnected relationship with the Japanese cherry tree. Cool. Specifically, the Japanese cherry blossom (laughs) and the collective blossoms on the tree. So, uh, Alex, are you familiar with Shinto? Uh,
0: I know the word. I know that it's a religion, Mm -hmm. possibly an ancient religion. Yes, uh, in Japan. That is correct. All right. People would call it, or it has been called, um, the indigenous
1: religion of Japan. I see. Um, which, of course, would mean that it is the religion that has come, uh, that w- the people of Japan as a culture that existed for uh, exists for thousands of years yeah. has existed for thousands of years. That's what I was trying to say. I got you. Um, way back when, just like any other culture that's ever existed in isolation or, you know, in not necessarily... Isolation, but you know, just in and of itself. I understand they develop their own religion, their own their own culture. Yes, most cultures, um, whether you're talking about the Greeks or you're talking about the you know Russians, Native Americans, Native peoples anywhere, most of the time they have some kind of spiritual belief that comes with it. Mm-hmm. Whether or not you're going to call that a religion per se, or just their spiritual sort of way that they interact with the world around
0: them, right this but it's human nature to uh, i don't want to say make up religions but yeah we we uh yeah that's part of our whole deal exactly we, we love the gods
1: thing we love the gods can't get
0: enough of those guys you
1: have it perfectly <laughs> So in this case, this is the indigenous uh, natural or nature religion of Japan, Shinto. Okay. And what it basically, how it boils down is it's very fluid. Uh, A lot of things I was reading are basically like, you know, there's no right, there's no wrong, it's not perfect, there are no like true priests, there's no doctrine or dogma or, you know... Things that you have to do in order to be Shinto, you can just be like, yeah, "I'm Shinto. I, I
0: this is my belief." It's not like an organized religion. Yes,
1: exactly. It's yeah. a very, it's a very dispersed kind of religion. Got it. Anyone can do it. Any or any, I I assume anyone can do it in whatever way they want. Cool. So in this case, um, I bring it up because it has as a nature or natural religion. I think it's a nature religion is the term I, I read a lot. It more or less. Um, has the idea that the gods and certain spirits are in all these different things around you. So um, they would embody, and these spirits are called kami, K-A-M-I. I okay. think I'm pronouncing that correctly. And um, the kami will live inside different things, inside of a tree or a stone or a mountain or um, concepts like fertility and uh-huh. um, happiness. They live inside the rain, the wind. They would These entities and concepts would have a, a, a spirit that is um, endowed within it. Does okay. that make sense? Absolutely. So, um, they would revere these things and they'd honor them, and they would put um, uh, these ropes around it. And I can't remember the name of the rope; it was very hard for me to pronounce it. Um, but it was basically they would just honor things, and they'd put these like um, rice straw rope Ooh. that they would weave, and they'd put it around different objects. Okay. And it would be a protective, um, a protective emblem on the tree, or on the rock, or on the shrine, whatever.
0: To protect the object. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah.
1: And But they would also revere it as a spirit. So they would make little offerings to it. And then every now and then they would build these these shrines around them. So way back when, when the culture and the people of Japan were still a more or less subsistence culture. They were only working with what they had. There was no imports, exports, anything like this. Thousands of years ago, when this religion was really the only spiritual thing that these people really were... um, were working with at the time, um, they would start to find these trees. And they um, these trees, they were called uh, godama, which are tree gods or tree spirits. And they live mm. within these different plants. But then there are also these kami, K-A-M-I. Every uh, time I say that, I imagine I I'm saying kami like a communist. <laughs> it makes me laugh and I'm like, Casey, stop laughing. <laughs> every time
0: you say it, like my heart stops for a, like an eighth of a second. I'm like, oh, right, okay. Oh, yeah. Casey's
1: talking about it, the old commies again.
0: I think as long as you spell it out every single time, time you say it (laughs) right (laughs) well let's say let's say moving forward anytime casey says commie he's probably (laughs) not talking about
1: a derogatory term for a communist yeah yeah yeah. exactly well so (laughs) probably um, the way that i have kind of um understood um the way this works is that you would see something or they would just say um you know this is a really weird old tree, and for whatever reason, it would be honored, and they would build this little shrine, and the shrine would be um, for this spirit that lived within this, that is embodied of and for it. so it okay. wouldn 't be like necessarily in the tree, sometimes it would be the tree itself, you know, and this Got kind it. of thing. And I should add a caveat here: I am not a scholar on ancient religion, especially yeah. of Japanese religion. This is just my my backwards research research trying to learn about you know how this tree um, became what it is today
0: for sure and and just to piggyback on that I do want to say if you're listening to this and you're and you're and you're grinding your teeth and you're rolling your eyes and you're saying no they're getting it wrong because you yourself you know practice Shinto or Or yeah
1: know it better than I do know
0: it a lot better or have familial ties to this please 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 write us we're gonna do something. I haven't talked to you about this Casey but <gasps> what I want to do something where people people with first hand experience in mm-hmm. these trees cuz we we don't have that In many times that's true Uh yeah that's that meant, not always but um if if somebody has like a a deep connection to one of these trees please write us and we will publish your words in some way
1: with your permission of course but yes 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 yes. yeah on our website we have a whole section that's basically our regrets section where we're like we messed this whole thing
0: up read this yeah and i feel like this (laughs) season's gonna have a lot of that
1: i hope it doesn't
0: i hope well i hope it does i hope that we that we hear from here i guess that's true yeah yeah. this is all about us learning too Absolutely, because we have a limited perspective.
1: Pre- precisely. I just and, want to put that on the yeah, table. and we are trying to like advance the uh, sort of the cultural understanding of these trees. That's what this season's all about.
0: Yes, um, because to take that one step further. Yes, please. When I look at you and I and what we're doing right now, I can't help but think, oh God, two white men from the mm. United States talking about world cultures yeah. that they read about online. And I don't want to be that person. That's but it's true. it's kind of what we're doing, but from a tree perspective. Exactly. So That's,
1: We should keep that in mind. This is all just a little bit of background before we talk about these trees.
0: Yes. It's all about the trees, but we just want to be, I don't know, I want to be super sensitive to that and very cognizant of that. I want everybody to know that we see that. Yes. We are not going into this thinking that we are like schooling anybody on any world uh religion or culture
1: i barely think i'm schooling anyone on trees
0: well that's not the case Casey. shut up it's not the casey uh so i just want to make a very frantic plea to keep that in (laughs) mind as we go forward with this season rant over
1: thank you alex we all appreciate it what were we talking about we were talking about the Basically, spiritual component of this tree. Right. So we'll fast forward through um, this sort of uh, spiritual tenets through which these trees became uh, so renowned. Yeah. But we're going to fast forward through to um, basically seeing these trees and building these shrines around them they started to um, do a really interesting thing these uh, they're they're, I say priests but they're not really priests in my understanding there's just people who would take care of these shrines you know and so they would start building shrines about um, different trees and different things they'd build these gardens the Japanese of course are well known for having incredible gardens yeah and what they would start to do is they would build metaphor in all these different things Mm. and the uh, actually the samurai had a lot to do with this they were sort of the warrior class but they went by uh what was the term um i think it's bushido and it's basically like the the code of the warrior right okay um but one thing that was involved in that is they had like this very high moral standard that they had to make like it was the utmost you know moral
0: uh purity almost, right? Kind of like a knight's code of honor.
1: Yeah, exactly. It, very, very similar. And they also played that kind of uh, sort of social class role as what a knight would. Like yeah. not quite royal, but not quite, you know, not royal. Mm-hmm. And um, and so a lot of people revered them and they became this... Uh, Uh, this class of people who revered this tree, and they would make these metaphors with the blossoms of the cherry tree. And it would stand for and represent things like um, the transience of life, where the flowers would pop off of this gorgeous tree, and they'd stay there, and they'd be absolutely, like, mind-blowingly stunning for a week, maybe, maybe (sighs) two. And then they would just...
0: Wow, Gone with
1: the wind. Only a week. Only a week. and they don't even the petals then uh, basically disintegrate in like a matter of moments when they're on the ground.
0: Wow. yeah but they're they're really they're just so delicate and fragile and
1: exactly. And so you would have this sort of dichotomy of this delicate and fragile, and it would represent this sort of like big, beautiful thing that would then just flutter away. And they'd be like, that represents life and the inevitable death that comes at the end of it. Beautiful. It was truly, as I was reading through this, it's like, oh my gosh, this is so full of like symbolism and all these things. Yeah.
0: I think trees at large are full of symbolism. Yeah, most definitely. We've talked about a lot of trees where I haven't said it on the pod because- who cares but also i've been thinking god that is such a perfect metaphor for this oh yeah you know
1: man i think about that all the time i almost have to hold them back like you do because i'm like i can't think in any other way
0: yeah i mean let it let it flow i say we let it flow thank you so much this is so empowering the beautiful creative side of science you know yes
1: that's it yes so fast forward again that's actually the perfect transition alex well because, remember how I told you, there are these—they uh, revered these gardens, they revered these trees. They would go out and almost worship him, and. They had this great, uh, this literal ancient tradition of viewing cherry blossoms called Hanami. And um, one of my coworkers does that every single year over in um, the cherry trees that are planted down in, uh, at the waterfront here in Portland. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's, they're going off right now. People are all about them. The ones in Washington, D.C. are probably going to go crazy here in a little bit, which is a funny story I could tell you about, but we'll skip that for a second.
0: Really quickly. Yeah. I think it's um, in, like, so... In a lot of Western languages uh-huh we put the emphasis on the second to last syllable oh. so we would we would look at that word and say hanami okay but I believe in Japanese it's hanami really they put the syllable there they put the emphasis either on the first or the second syllable depending oh, on how long the word is
1: oh I hope that someone can tell us about that
0: too so the 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 um, the name for the cherry blossom. <laughs> Uh, the name for the japanese cherry <laughs> in japan uh which is spelled s-a-k-u-r-a yeah we we might sit you and i might look at that as english speakers and say sakura uh-huh but it's actually sakura
1: oh well shoot there this you go i'm learning so much stuff right now <laughs> well sorry uh, hanami hanami nice all right so it's a tradition of going out and looking at the trees I can't tell you how much I love that this culture has a tradition where basically like, well, it's time. Everyone needs to go out and look at the trees. I just think that's the best thing.
0: That is very much up your alley. (laughs) It's totally up my alley. I love that for you.
1: So what they would do is they would go out and look at these trees, then they would come back and many times they would bring them and plant them in their yards, in their you know villas, in their gardens, at the palaces, at their shrines, and all these different things. Bring them from where? From the mountains, from the woods, wherever they were. Like you know? dig them
0: up and, and take them home?
1: Yeah, sometimes they'd find a little cherry tree or a little cherry and then they would you know grow that or something. Oh, or like a
0: sapling or something? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, things like that. So
1: not a big tree. Of course. And then they would start to interbreed them. And it, uh, my understanding is that it's the uh, kind of the these people who took care of the shrines and almost sort of these monastic kind of figures ah. where they would just be, that's what they would dedicate their life to. It's just like growing plants and then, interbreeding them so they would start to do this and then they would breed this one and hybridize it with this other one and then then all of a sudden they would get a red cherry tree or they would take a red cherry tree and a white cherry tree they'd breed them and you'd get a pink cherry tree okay and all of a sudden the genes basically just mix and you get this hybrid in the middle right so they started doing that over and over and with genes I'm not going to get into it because it's extremely complicated. Thank you. You're welcome. But if you start to do, um, if you make a certain kind of hybrid and you interbreed it with itself again, you get this third generation and that third generation and a lot of times is sterile. It's like a, um, a horse and a donkey. You breed a horse and a donkey together, you get a mule. The mule is sterile, so you can never have another mule.
0: Unless you breed another horse and another donkey.
1: Exactly. Because they're sterile. Is this real though? This is totally real. This happens with the cherry tree as well. So wow. remember how I brought up that term double flower? Yeah. So that is another one of these third generations where instead of the um, sexual parts, the piston or the stamens and the pistols, uh-huh. um, in a lot of times, instead of those existing, they're basically, uh, there's a mutation that makes them into another set of flower petals, so you get, instead of just those five on the outside, uh-huh. you get another five or ten on the inside. Whoa. So you get these big, bushy things. And if you've looked at a cherry tree and you're just like, wow, that flower is super full. Or if you just look up double flowering anything, it happens a lot in the rose family. Then you can get these really big, bushy, fantastically bushy flowers. Yes. Completely sterile most of the time. And they don't have any value at all so if anyone plants a cherry tree with double flowers like it's a good pollinator no it's not you don't know what Ah. you're talking
0: about oh casey so it's got no pollen the stuff that creates the pollen and spreads the and spreads the seed it's just more petals it's just more petals it's petals all the way down
1: petals all the way down oh my lord now shoot if it's not beautiful i don't know what is it's
0: gorgeous but that's about where it stops
1: exactly Completely useless. Otherwise,
0: when it when they when the when the flowers fall off and die, uh-huh. will they come back the next year? Yeah, the flowers will. Yeah, because it still
1: is producing these flowers. It's just not going to produce any fruit because it's sterile. Wow, and it has no parts to do it because they doesn't it the, the they don't exist.
0: Science has gone too far.
1: It's gone too far. But so here's what's interesting. Over literally thousands of years, well, I guess like fifteen hundred or so years, um, these people in Japan were breeding these trees and they were trying to get these more. beautiful Beautiful cherry blossoms. And this is one of the first instances in the history of people where we started breeding plants, not for food, not for timber quality or anything like that. Yeah. We were breeding them for their beauty only.
0: Love that. Yeah. As somebody who looks at trees pretty uh, sh- from a shallow perspective. <laughs> Shameless. I'm big into that. I'm really into looks. Yeah. Of trees. Of trees. That's exactly it. Wait, Casey. I may have made a connection here. Oh, my God. Is this what cultivarism oh, is?
1: Oh, yeah, Alex.
0: Cultivated variety? Look at
1: these synapses coming together. <laughs> exactly it
0: and hybridization is that the same thing uh
1: not quite the same but it's it's kind of close a hybrid would take species a species b oh normally species a and species b would not interbreed, interbreed but then you interbreed them sometimes it's forced sometimes they were just really far away from each other for so long that they just never interbreeded for decades and centuries and you know eons Then you bring them together and they're like oh what's up yeah cool totally you yeah, know i remember you okay and then they breed and you get a, a hybrid
0: so cultivarization
1: cultivar is just one species and they make a fancy version of that one species wow
0: it's like dog breeding almost yes
1: exactly okay yeah it's very similar i don't know enough about dog breeding to really like give you good metaphors i don't either it ends there
0: but if you're, if you're like wow this this german shepherd has beautiful ears and this German Shepherd has beautiful paws. Yes. Let's get these two together. Exactly. And we get a German Shepherd with beautiful ears and paws, and we're winning best in show, baby. Best in show. That's exactly right. Cool. So it's on that realm. And then other
1: times it would be like um, only upright varieties. Like this, this, you, you breed a bunch of them. You plant a bunch from seed. And then you get the ones that have the most upright varieties. Branches. You put all those together, or you get the ones that have the darkest pink flowers, or the ones that have the littlest fruit, and you breed all those together, and you just keep doing that over
0: and over. Whatever you're going for. Whatever you're going for. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. It's like painting with nature.
1: Yes, that's exactly what it is. That's beautiful. This they did it over thousands of years, or at least hundreds of of years and hundreds of generations of these plants, where they would just grow them until they started flowering. Then they would breed those two together, and then they would keep doing that, and they'd keep doing. That Wow. But they only would do it towards the things that they wanted. So that's why we have such a huge variety of like really beautiful trees cherry trees specifically because they have been doing this over there for so long yeah. that it's just like, yeah, this is, who knows what the species are now because they've been changed and messed with for so long. You have to go way out to the woods, find this one species mm. and you can say, okay, this is the you know type species. But remember how I said earlier we're doing Prunus serulata? Right. There are people who are like, well, that's actually not, that might be a, a hybrid species of a couple other species. Oh. It's very confusing. Wow, yeah. Yeah, but it's mostly understood as Prunus and I'm going to wait for the science and the lumpers and the splitters to decide what they're going to do <laughs> and then and then I'll figure it out in some decades. Okay. But that is uh because they had such a reverence for these trees in terms of these sort of metaphors where they could be almost anything. Yeah. They and rather mean almost anything. They brought them and started doing this and now today we have cultivars of almost every single plant that ever exists wow. you have trees that they specifically grow like i said very upright and that's all we plant the armstrong red maple is a wonderful example there's a cultivar of a, a giant sequoia those massive big the biggest physical things by volume in the world wow there's one variety that is called uh i think the cultivar is Pendulum, and it literally, all the branches grow straight down, and it it looks like a tree
0: from Dr. Seuss without question. I have absolutely seen several of these in the suburbs of Portland.
1: Totally. They're so fun. I just think they're the the funniest little trees. but. I was just going to add, that mm-hmm. is the, the Japanese with the Japanese uh, cherry were one of the first to start doing that. Um, they You're not growing it to get the biggest nut. You're not growing it to get the biggest, juiciest cherry. Right. They just wanted the prettiest flower.
0: That's incredible. I yeah. love
1: that. The prettiest flower. The prettiest flower. And then they create these monstrosities which have these you know massive double flowers and they break and they don't have anything for bugs. And...
0: Here's my big sad follow up question. Uh, okay. I have to have one. You must. Are there people is there is there a perspective here, a valid perspective in your eyes that there is something wrong with this practice that it is a bastardization of nature that we are manipulating things mm. uh in the ways that we shouldn't? I don't personally believe that, but I can see I can see maybe somebody thinking that. Yeah. I would say
1: definitely. Okay. there There is a perspective for that. I would agree. However, I think that perspective is mostly reserved for GMOs, what? genetically modified organisms. Okay. So the difference between the two is if I take a couple cherries and I just dust pollen on either one and then create a third kind of cherry uh-huh. or produce over breeding over hundreds of years oh. a specific kind. I'm using the genetics that the tree already has. It's
0: still a natural process. <laughs> exactly. Okay.
1: Whereas now we've basically got that, not basically, we've got that down to a literal science where different engineers can come in and say, okay, I'm going to take away this gene and I'm going to add this one. And I then see. you get blue flowers. And it's like, that's not natural. Yeah. You know, you get corn that is able to withstand Roundup, and all of a sudden you have Monsanto growing corn all over the place that can withstand any pesticide you put on it. I see. That's not natural.
0: Completely different from what- from what's going on with cultivate yeah. cultivarization,
1: yeah, or ju- cult- just cultivation, or just cultivation. Uh,
0: breeding, plant breeding. Okay,
1: yeah. Okay. So it's not it's not the worst. I will say it does it carries a lot of risk because as you select for genes, and I, I bring this up a lot actually with dogs or a fox. I heard is a great example where if you wanted to, um, if you breed for certain things, you have X amount of chromosomes, right? Okay. What I think um, humans have forty eight pairs, or yeah. Oh, 24 pairs, 48 chromosomes. Okay, So everything, all the millions of genetic things that come with us are boiled down and on those 24 pairs, everything. So if you choose one thing, it is going to be on a certain chromosome with a bunch of other stuff. Okay. So if you choose for that thing, uh, you're getting all that other stuff too. Got it. So if you choose against something, then you're getting rid of all the other stuff on those chromosomes. Right. It's not so cut and dry like that, but an example that I read about in foxes is that they wanted to um, basically create domestic- domesticated foxes. So I don't know. I, I would have to find this research, but what happened is they would choose select four and breed the more docile foxes because foxes are known to be very like uh, aggressive. Yeah. So they would get these uh the more docile nicer ones and all of a sudden they started to notice that the ears started to flop down like any floppy eared dog Uh and they're like why is that happening and it turns out if you select for docility in foxes, then you also select for the genes or the genes for the sharp pointy ears go away.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah. And so all of a sudden they're like, well, we don't want floppy eared foxes. That's not the point. It's like, well, if you want one, you get the other.
0: Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. I hate that shit. So
1: with the trees, it happens where if you get the one that has the double flowered or the pink flowers or something like that, maybe it has almost no resistance to this certain disease or Mm. maybe it's root system is just completely awful and it never does what it needs to do. It can't take certain conditions, you know? Whereas if you go back to the native species, and it's just the normal one. It's got pathetic little one-flowered flowers and but that thing's tough as nails. It can do anything. Yeah, Cherries are like known to be some of the toughest plants. They'll just keep growing. You cut them down, they'll send up a thousand shoots, you know, that kind of thing.
0: Oh, much like the uh, black willow.
1: Yes, extremely similar, yeah.
0: Casey, are there like are there like protected? Like, is there like an arboretum? Are there arboretums of these thing of these cultivars?
1: You know, I'm not sure. I'm I I would be willing to bet there is. Yeah. There's some plant breeders um, outside Portland here who every single tree that they basically create a variety for, they plant in this certain arboretum that they have, and then they just watch it grow just to see what's going to happen because maybe in 1970 they're like, cool new new variety, name it. patent it and all that stuff and then they plant it and they're like what's it going to be like in 50 years what's it going to be like in 30 years and then they, they do things like that Cool. Not to mention, um, when a lot of these varieties were first created, they were planted and then they were just grown and then they would take clippings off of those because if they're sterile, you can't create a new one from seed. Mm. So they would take a clipping and then they would grow it from, uh, from oh. cuttings or they would graft it onto another cherry stock, most likely Prunus avium, which is just called the bird cherry. Really super tough tree. Got great roots. Great root system. Cut the top off. Put a fancy tree on top of it. Now you got a fancy tree with a good, root system
0: wow yeah now if that's not frankenstein i don't know what it is i was gonna say it sounds a little frankensteinish
1: frankensteinish and then the rootstock sometimes will just like blast off and overtake
0: the tree (laughs) hell yeah yeah and then that's a that's a big problem frankenstein's revenge exactly that's what it is casey i think this is a perfect time to move on to our review our rating rather yeah of the japanese cherry Every episode, we give a rating of 0 to 10 Golden Cones of Honor. This season, honor is spelled (laughs) H-O-N-O-U-R. Casey is our resident expert. Yes, sir. We begin with you.
1: All right. Although I've spoken very high-mindedly about this tree, Mm. I love that part of it. I think that the Japanese cherry tree, in terms of the lore and the place that it is yeah. in, you know, Shinto and in the uh, the cultural aspects of Japan, and then when it's like you know sent over to. The rest of the world is like, um, you know, they're representative and that kind of thing with mm-hmm. all the symbolism that comes along with it. I love that. I think it's gorgeous. Um, there's trees that are planted in Washington, D.C. that were given to the United States in 1909, I think, 19, early 1900s. It's a famous story. And that was like this big peace offering, offering between, obviously, Washington, D.C., capital of the United States, and uh, Tokyo, capital of Japan. Okay. That's where it ends. I otherwise just have had enough. Wow. I I love them. They are, remember how I told you earlier that you could get a Japanese cherry and it has flowers that pop out and then they're great, they're beautiful, mm-hmm. stunning. A week later, they're just on the ground blowing over. Yeah. The rest of the tree sucks for the rest of the
0: year. This is just classic Casey Clapp bullshit. It
1: is not. All right, so I started this podcast with you, Alex, because I had opinions on trees. <laughs> and then I was like, well, I kind of want to do my my research. And then I'm always like, okay, this is kind of interesting. There's some fun things about this tree. But you know what? Put me on the street tomorrow and walk me by some Japanese cherries. And be like, yeah, it's nice now. Mm, that's it. It's like, it's like a... It's like a black uh, blackberry. It's only nice for like a right. week and a half, week and a half of the year. Other yeah. than that, I hate it. Wow. If you plant a Japanese cherry or any cherry, really, just a cherry tree, they're always like, oh, I want to plant a flowering cherry. Usually, it's going to be a Japanese cherry, a Japanese flowering cherry, and people think they're great. That's fine. Whatever. <laughs> but... God, use a different tree. Magnolias, they're stunning. Catalpas, they're incredible. Horse chestnuts have flowers to die for, and they last a little bit longer. Dogwoods, I mean, have you seen a dogwood? Yeah. They unfurl themselves slowly. They release their gorgeous, beautiful flowers, and then they stay there for like three weeks, and then they chill out.
0: Is this not a dogwood right behind you out my window? It is a dogwood right behind me outside your window. When's that flowering? When's it's like... on its
1: way. It's literally getting ready right now. Okay,
0: I see the buds are starting yeah. to expand. That's the thing.
1: They slowly unfurl, then they basically add their color. Now, it's technically a brack, not a real flower. We're not going to talk about that right now. But the Japanese cherry or the, ch- just the flowering cherry trees get them out of here there's there's too many they grow up and then people treat them they want them but they don't understand that they don't like certain conditions Uh. so they plant them in the worst possible places they get uh, this thing called shot hole fungus and everyone's like my japanese cherry." and i'm like well it's a stupid tree in a stupid place like sorry plant it somewhere that it is happy plant one per acre and no more they're everywhere and half the time People are cutting down gorgeous, big, beautiful trees because, like, oh, it's too big. I want it something small, like a cherry tree. Mm. And I'm just like, you are so frustrating. Then around here, the remember how I said that Prunus avium, that root stock that you'd put the fancy one on? Yeah, yeah. When that root stock, when you cut it down, and the rootstock sends up its new shoots and everything, uh-huh. those new shoots then put out these cherries that are viable because they are not the for, um, infertile or the. Uh, yeah, infertile the ones. The Yeah, and then those become super invasive all over the place.
0: Hmm.
1: I have, there's a time and a place for the cherry tree. If you're growing cherries, that's a fine time, that's a fine place, as long as it's like in the gorge where there's a lot of wind. Um... They also get this disease I just there's so many little problems with them. All right. They're so overplanted and they are replacing big, gorgeous, beautiful trees because people are like, I don't want the, the hassle. And it's like, what they're only nice for like 30 seconds. You want to dedicate your entire front yard to just a 30-second beautiful tree. After that, it's just this like scraggly thing that gets, you know, insects all over it all the time. It drops sap, you can't climb it. It gets this little fungus that not fungus, it's called gamosis. If a little insect goes into it, cherry bark tortrix. It's got problems. So I'm saying I give it a five. A five? Straight five.
0: Point zero. Five
1: point zero. Nope. Five point five because I like the blooms one week out of year. Are these, one week out of the year. Are these
0: cones even golden to you anymore? These are golden cones. These of aluminum cones are. of honor.
1: They are these yeah, these are aluminum. They're aluminum tin foil cones. <laughs> but man, the artists who put those together, incredible. I'm sorry. Five right. point. It's going to be five point five because they are they're just okay.
0: Hey, I don't give a shit. Yeah, you know, you go to
1: go to Japan and you find there's one. It's called. Ooh, I'd have to look up what it, what the name of it is. Oh, um, I think it is uh, uh, Ishiwari Sakura. I'm okay. sorry, I didn't get the um, the emphasis right on the syllables. All right, that's fine. However, it's a cherry that's literally started growing in a crack of a, a rock, and oh. then as it got bigger, it split the rock. That's it's,
0: cool. It's
1: so cool. That one gets a nine out of 10 golden cones of honor. All
0: right. But
1: it's kind of like the Arborvita, you know, in its native habitat and its native thing, that tree is spectacular. However, when it's planted as this thing, and you know how also, I'm sorry, I'm going on a rant here. Mm. Whenever you get um, something that people really like, like a Japanese flower and cherry, and it has all this intense meaning, and then you add capitalism to it, it just gets completely bastardized. They're sold all over the place for 30 cents a tree and you can just plant a billion of them and people plant them along these roadsides and they do nothing for the road at all. They don't make, they're not a big canopy tree. And then it's like, okay, well, yeah, I mean, it had meaning when it was this really intense cultural thing that you planted here for a very specific purpose. And now it's just like, no, we're going to overdo it. Everything because it's always everything now all the time. And it's just like, oh God, plant a different tree. That's how I feel. One one per acre.
0: 5.5. That's right. Golden Cones of Honor. Golden Cones of Honor for the Japanese cherry from Casey Clapp.
1: Every now and then I feel so bad taking such a left turn at the end of the show. Oof.
0: My heart is racing.
1: I know it's a little scorched earth around here now.
0: It it was it, everything was so pleasant and positive <laughs> all episode. It's because I was in a
1: Japanese forest the way you ima- <laughs> made me imagine. Yes, like, yes, yeah. this is lovely.
0: And then you got transported back to reality where you're yeah. in a ra- rainy Portland. Where... Exactly.
1: I'm in a suburban area where they just planted a bunch of trees because they're like, "This is gonna be a really nice suburban tree planted right here between the sidewalk." Woof. They had to take a bunch down in Oregon City because they just they pulled the sidewalk up by about a foot. So if you're walking on the sidewalk, Sidewalk, you were surely gonna trip or if you're on a wheelchair just get in the road because you can't get on the sidewalk it's awful is there's sorry i i don't like them i don't like them one one breaker if that
0: <laughs> i uh i it better uh, be revered i searched for that rock cracking uh uh cherry tree oh yeah and i must have misspelled it because i got top 10 angel anime list
1: (laughs) okay it's spelled Uh i-s-h-i-w-a-r-i dash z-a-k-u-r-a got it
0: it's really cool We'll include a picture of this in... Uh, oh, it is very cool. Oh, yeah. wow, it's a thick boy. It's thick. I think it's like 400 years old or something oh like that. Oh my God, it's really thick. See, that tree
1: is worth it. That one is a revered tree. Aw, it's wearing it's wearing
0: crutches.
1: Oh, yeah. See, right. That's, that's, that's the thing. That's the kind of tree that you're like, no, we don't want you to break. We don't want you to hurt. We don't want you to even have a chance to break apart. I cannot support that enough. However we just that that tree is not the japanese cherry tree that we have planted, you know, on the streets of Oregon City.
0: Okay. I'm going to zoom through my review. All right. I've had enough of this of this <laughs> shit talk. <laughs> no, I love seeing you get all upset about trees. It's really interesting to me cuz I'm like how how do you feel this way about trees? <laughs>
1: Oh, God.
0: But I reckon I would I would be the same way if I were talking about like a, a movie or something. Yeah, sure. Yeah.
1: Like, I love this director, but man, is Shutter Island awful.
0: <laughs> wow. Take... I
1: like Shutter Island, actually. Okay. Sorry. Anyway, what were you saying?
0: Here's my review of the Japanese cherry. I think it's a beautiful tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like all the things I learned about it. <laughs> i like that uh i like i like cultivation i think cultiv... i, I want to say cult- cultivarization
1: all right that's Cul- fine
0: cultivarization
1: i like cultivarization
0: cultivarization is pretty sweet i think it's it sounds it's very it sounds very creative and i think that uh cultivating trees for the sake of being beautiful is a beautiful concept mm. and who are you hurting there not re- anybody really no, not really it's not it's not a uh, it's not a mammal, you know. Uh, hey, it's
1: still alive, I mean, you're not killing it. Yeah, yeah, totally.
0: Yeah. You're not. You're, you're not like. It's not in pain. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, also, I, and I'm, I'm kind of ignoring all the things you said about it at, in your, in your insane, <laughs> uh, primetime rant. Sorry. <laughs> it's like yeah. you. It's like you stormed <laughs> the stage of a local news network <laughs> with your manifesto, and your hands are shaking.
1: I'm so upset.
0: And the director's like, cut away, cut away, and the editor's like, no, people need to see this. <laughs> I give the Japanese cherry like a really solid, well earned seven point five.
1: All right, okay, kind okay. of
0: right up the middle of the upper register. Um, yeah, I think I think a seven point five is about where I land.
1: I think it sounds that sounds pretty fair. Maybe I'm just jaded.
0: Yeah, well, I mean that's 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 what's fun. I mean, your cone, the co- your cones are your own, you know. <laughs> oh Yo, man, that's that's perfect. Like your I, cones are your own. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that we experienced a similar thing with the ginkgo, where I give it a perfect ten. That's true. Something that I think is insane to do now. We uh, were in the moment. We're hot. We're, I, know, I know. I was really feeling it. Um, and you you presented all this evidence about why it's overplanted and it's it's bad and it's it's enough already, which I think is an interesting perspective. And I have a different one. And hey, that's life, baby. That's life,
1: baby. Great. Well, thank you,
0: Casey. Let's move on to our completely arbitrary Q and A.
1: They also don't smell most of the time.
0: All right, that's enough out of Sorry. you. <laughs> this week's question is from. Miranda M. Miranda says, I have a question. In sp- well, first she says, hi. Hi, Miranda. Hey, Miranda. Thanks for a great first season. You're so welcome. Thanks yeah. for thinking it's great.
1: Anytime. Fingers crossed that this next one's going to be the same greatness.
0: Or even better, maybe. Oh, I hope so. And then the third season, we jump the shark and everything turns to hell.
1: <laughs> We're going to review rocks from now on.
0: <laughs> I have a question, uh, says Miranda, inspired from the Southern Magnolia episodes. Some Magnolias are evergreen. Yes? Yes, that's correct. But some are not? Uh-huh. How can multiple trees in the same species have such a different approach to their leaves? Ah. Why wouldn't that be different enough to classify them as a different species? Thanks, Miranda Martin, she, her. Casey... I, what I... I think I... Maybe I can answer this question. Well, yeah, go for it. Potential or begin begin to answer it and you can obviously fill in the... Walk, the, walk me through it. The giant plot holes. What are you thinking? Well, if one... Uh, magnolia is um, uh, an evergreen, uh-huh. and another is not. Then they are not the same species. They are, but but aren't there many t- many species of magnolia? Magnolia is a family.
1: Yes, correct. Okay. It's a family and a genus. A right. genus would be the next level down.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Genus, genus, genus. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's where I that's where I stop.
1: That's perfect. You did a great job. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so there are certain species that are. Evergreen, you're exactly right, and uh-huh. there are other species that are deciduous, and they have their leaves that de- they ah, their leaves drop. Uh-huh. So that's exactly correct. Um, but it sounded like also like why wouldn't they be considered like vastly different? You know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Perhaps
1: that was sort of what the question was getting at. I think so. Um, And most of the reason is that things are broken down by species, as we've talked about a couple times, um, by their fruiting and flowering parts. That's mostly how things are broken down. So you can have, um, like in Ponderosa Pine and in Lodgepole Pine, we talked about there being like varieties or like subspecies.
0: Ah, like the shore pine.
1: Exactly. That's exactly it because of their, the they still have the ability to interbreed theoretically, but um, they are still uh, just different enough that they would be the same species. So in terms of having leaves that drop or leaves that stay on, sometimes that could be something changed maybe millions and millions of years ago. These trees left each other and then speciated and then for whatever reason, they then came back into the same eco-region. Interesting. And yet they had developed these different uh, techniques. Or they had migrated. So let's say you have one species that um, they both are, like arrive on North America, and one's like, all right, I'm going south. The other's like, all right, I'm going north. Mm. And then they go up there, and then they turn into a bunch of other species. The other one down that goes south, turns into a bunch of other species, they're like, well, I'm not going to drop my leaves because it's super warm down here. I'm just going to chill. The one up north is like, well, it's really cold, so I'm going to continue to drop my leaves. Then millions of years go by things change and then they're the species that came from them mm-hmm. exactly they would come back together and now they're in the same habitat because you know maybe it's it's good for both of them they're like well it's, i'm actually doing pretty well with my evergreen leaves then one's was like well i'm doing pretty well with my other leaves but it would be like um completely different um species that have come and gone changed and then come back Okay. So it could be really complicated in terms of their genealogy. Yeah. It also could be that one came from the East Coast and the other came from the West Coast millions of years ago, and there when they split off, one actually came from, say, Japan and Russia and then came over through North America and now the last remnant is in the southeastern United
0: States. Interesting.
1: Whereas the other one, maybe it had come all the way across and speciated several different times from going through russia over the Caucasus mountains over into europe and then somehow found its way across into uh super northern canada then down and then now they've found the same place but they've gone you know species upon species of the opposite direction over millions of years
0: it's like when you have a childhood love and then you both you know you go to different colleges and uh you start your lives on on opposite coasts. Yeah, all right, okay. And then like you find each other on Instagram, and you're like, mm. "Holy shit, are you single? I'm single." And wow. then you meet up, and you're like, different people, but you still love each other.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like that. That's yeah, I think so. That's fairly reasonable.
0: Oh, Alex,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like I don't think you had that
0: experience. I didn't you grew up right here? Just that, just <laughs> it's the movie that you're imagining. Yeah, it's just kind of a sweet moment. I made myself weepy. <laughs> Well uh, uh, yeah. I have a follow-up question. Yeah, go for it. Off Miranda M's question.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh I have there's some magnolias down the block uh-huh. that I'm positive are magnolias. Yeah. Because they have the green, shiny, leathery leaves with the uh, the uh, orange undercarriage, yes. There are no flowers on these magnolias, yes. What's happening?
1: Uh, southern magnolias they bloom a little bit later in spring,
0: okay. Yes. So there's still time.
1: There is right now the deciduous magnolias are just popping off the saucer magnolia, the butterfly magnolia, stellata or magnolia stellata, the uh-huh. star magnolia. All those are just going crazy right now,
0: okay. There's a magnolia on the other, other side of the block, uh, um. That are have like kind of green yellow flowers.
1: Yes, coming out right now. Yeah, but there are no leaves,
0: right? No leaves. Yes, exactly. So those are deciduous magnolias.
1: Correct. I believe that's actually called the butterflies magnolia. Cute. I, I don't know. I don't know the species. It might not have a species. It's another one of those really weird varieties or cultivars that have been grown for a long time.
0: Great. There you go. Well, Casey, we've come to the end of another episode of Completely Arbitrary. There we are. How do we feel about that? I feel
1: great about it, mostly because now I just get to be like, what's next?
0: <laughs> well, thank you, everybody, for listening. If you have a question about trees, email us at completely arbitrary. No, Casey, I can never get this right. You're doing a great job. I'm such a goof. Mm-hmm. If you have a question about trees, email us at arbitrarypod at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram. We have lots of pretty photos and That's s- an idea. some fun things. Alex
1: makes a funny thing every Wednesday and sends it out.
0: I do make a funny thing every Wednesday. <laughs> He's a funny guy. At Arbitrary Pod on Instagram. And if you want to support the podcast more than just listening to it, which we also appreciate, you can join our Patreon. There are different tiers and you get different things from those tiers. Our highest tier is the Cone of the Month Club, where you get a monthly unique cone sticker and an info card. And they're really cute. And we'd love for you to be a part of it.
1: I love those cones and those stickers. This is just one of my favorite parts of this whole show.
0: Me too. I'm. Cl- I have a. I have a new water bottle that I am.
1: Oh yeah. It's
0: my arboretum water bottle because oh, I'm putting man. all the cones on it.
1: I can't wait till we have enough to where like someone fills their entire bumper with just different cones.
0: Man, that's the world oh, I want to live in. What a dream. Casey, thank you so much for being here with us. Uh, thank
1: you for just <laughs> taking this this trans Pacific
0: jump with us today. It was honestly. My pleasure. God. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our production consultant is Olivia Frankie. Our artwork is by Gillian Barthold and our music is by the Mini Vandals. Thanks for listening.